Hey guys, welcome to Pressing On, a podcast where we will be looking into the truths for guys as we live on this journey of life. I'm your host, Scott Lessing, former sports medicine athletic trainer and now men's pastor. Every month, we bring you real conversations that help us discover God's direction for daily life. Pressing on is for guys who want to go deeper as we seek God while finding practical insight to live differently. We look into real life from a guy's perspective and talk through how to grow and become an improved version of ourselves. As we strive to press on to what God has called us to, this month, November of 2020, Jordy Vickery. Hello. <laughs> Chris Meekins. Hello. And myself, Scott Lessing. We will be talking about an interesting topic this, this month. We're going to be talking about remaining where we are at versus taking the next steps as we journey with God. So do we remain where we're at or do we take different steps or steps that might improve us? So in other words, where I'm at right now is where I want to be and remain, so I'm not going to change. Yeah. And the premise behind this is that we're making the claim that you determine the intentional distance you keep in your relationship with God. And one of the verses that kind of supports this reality is Revelation 3, when there's a letter going to the church of Laodicea, and they're being rebuked for being lukewarm, and it's not a hateful but a loving rebuke. The verse 19 says, the people I love, I call to account, I prod and correct and guide. But the letter says, look at me, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and I will sit down and have a meal with you. And then, and so you kind of see this picture of like, Jesus is like, hey church, I'm outside. I really want in. I really want in your hearts. I really want to do this thing and push you and correct you and guide you, but I need you to open the door. And sometimes I think we live in kind of this defeated reality of like, I can't become more spiritual. But I think the reality is there's actually a, a boundary that we kind of keep. Like I'm not, I'm not passing that on to the Lord. So, so you said it's, we're determining the intentional distance that we keep in relationship with God. So we intentionally keep space between us and God. 100%. And so this letter was written to the church, but obviously we as individuals make up the church. So it's a church thing, but also an individual thing. Yes. So yeah, received on an individual level. Why? All right. So Meekins, there are areas in our lives that we don't want to resemble Jesus we don't want him to have more territory. That You say that often. I read it, uh, yeah, I read it in a book one time. I thought, oh, that's really good, more territory. So th- these are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Am I just comfortable where I'm at? Do you, do you ever struggle? Well, like, do you ever think that way? I think, I think that, uh, with a couple, I have like a bunch of thoughts going on right now because I think of that verse, it's, it's a, such a classic ver- verse. I remember it from even when I was a first uh, Christian. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who wants to receive me uh, should open the door. And, and so there's always, so God's always known there's always a barrier. He's always known that there's a door. 
He's making us aware of that. We're just like, oh, no, I'm open to all kinds of stuff. But for me, personally, my biggest fear, I mean, if we're going to jump into this thing, is, is that for years, I mean, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was like 20, 21 years old, something like that. And so it was a long, long, long time ago. But, but I, I accepted him because I needed help. I needed relief from a, an addiction. And so, of course, I'm going to get on my knees because I get, want to get set free. The problem was I, I, I let him in, but he was only allowed in the foyer. And, yeah. uh, but as life went on, and I, I think we're going to get to this, he needs, he'd say, okay, wait a minute, I want to go into other areas of my life, more rooms, more territory. And he's, he's asking for more territory. So when, when we come to know Jesus, we don't just give him every part of our life and everything changes immediately. I mean... That's what a lot of us think when we come to know Jesus, right? Like, right. we, like, immediately we're going to get cleaned up everywhere in our life. Yeah. And they, they think it's like uh, uh, that TV program, uh, Clean Sweep, where you, you know, go in and you, he comes <laughs> in and he takes over. And, that, and that, that's not how it works. That's not how it worked for me. He comes in and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have you come in. There's a, another brochure called My Heart's Christ Home. It's a great download. It's free. Just PDF that. But uh, my heart's... And so each area, oh, oh I'm going to let them into my personal life. No, I really want to let them into this addiction that I have. And so for me, I was always afraid to let them in further because I thought he was going to turn me into something that I didn't want. I was afraid. So, so the story goes, back in the day, there was this guy called Keith Green, and he was like... Christian contemporary music. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like crazy. So, but he wrote this brochure and it, it said, uh, uh, how to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And they had this guy with a cowboy hat and a dove on top of it and a big feather and a big <laughs> buckle that said Jesus on it. And I was so afraid that I was going to turn into this, this weird, carrying a great big giant Bible, Jesus freak, that I, I kind of held him back and think, you know, I don't want to give you full control because I'm not sure what you're going to turn me into. So yeah, you don't wear I, cowboy hats, that's what you're saying? No, you I don't wear a cowboy wear. hat. I, I, I have too much hair for that. But anyway, they, uh, uh, there's this fear yeah. of, wait a minute, okay, I'll let you in, but I'm really afraid that you're going to change me into something that I like a TV evangelist or something like that. I'm going to have slick down hair and a comb over or something like that. And say, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally resonate with this, which is so funny. Like as a kid, I was like, I think God might be calling me into ministry. Oh no, what if God calls me into ministry? And I'd like look at my pastor and I'd be like, I don't want to be just like that guy, that churchy guy up right. on stage. Like that's just not me. Right. How could I? Then I wouldn't be me anymore. And it's like this, you fear this almost like loss of identity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yours, yours is hilarious. <laughs> Keith Green. But, I want to find that poster. I know. Oh, I, I tried to find it. I actually came home and I looked at Photoshop your face. I, I will PDF it to you guys. We'll put it with the podcast. We'll put it maybe for the picture of the podcast, but it it it, it stuck in my head. Uh, I had a ten year anniversary. I was I'd given a speech on being sober, and someone bought me a big Jesus buckle uh, belt buckle that lit and flashed on and off. But uh, but I think that that we as men are are really fearful of what's going to happen once we totally submit. You know, I can ask Jesus in, but there's a sanctification process. Yeah. Is that, is that yep sanctification? Is that what a, we do in the the alliance here? Absolutely, a, it's a kind of a two step process, ongoing. <laughs> There's the immediate sanctification, 
that is positional, meaning that you're saved. And then there's a progressive sanctification, which means it's this ongoing, as Jordy said, that it's con- we're continuing to become more and more and more like Jesus on a daily basis. And I, I, this is what we're talking about today. And, and, and it's, yeah. you know, I think it's really hard. You know, the, if we look back in Revelation 3, that church at Laodicea, they were becoming lukewarm. They were starting to lose this, what we're talking about, the sanctification, or this giving God more territory, giving Jesus more territory to make me a different man tomorrow than I am today. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's other things that we're afraid of too. I, I don't think it's just, we're not just afraid of becoming like this Keith right. Green cowboy right. hat, right. you know, buckle guy. But, <laughs> you know, what, what happens if we become more like Jesus? That means that there's certain things that we have to give up. We have to give up some things or maybe we have to change some things. Maybe it's the, the way I think. Maybe it's the way I, I act. I don't know. You know, what, what are some things, Jordy, that, that you were afraid of besides becoming like the, the suit-wearing pastor? Oh, no. My fear was more like two-part cargo pants <laughs> and like a DC Talk t-shirt with a Bible hey. with like a purse strap on it. That was... <laughs> A, a, that, that was, was that, that, a, that was my Keith Green. A man, oh a man bag. That is yeah. so funny. What are those things called? That was the my, man purse. The yeah. man purse. <laughs> that the was, man Bible purse. That was oh my, my gosh, Keith that's so Green. Funny. But <laughs> yeah, out, outside of that. So I have to admit, I had one of those at one point. I did. I had one of those man Bible purses at one point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't friends. We back remember. Uh, that's so funny. So go ahead. No, but on a serious note, I think I, I used to, as a kid, even like dream about, all right, I'm going to be an engineer and I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to buy these things. And what if yeah. God called me into ministry? Then I'd be like poor and like not pursue these, like it, it, even at a young age and at a very like basic, you know, yeah. level, yeah. you're like, you start to realize in your heart, like I'm going to hold everything loosely if I'm really going to be obedient to God. And I think you don't know what you're going to lose and what you're going to keep. You don't know if God's going to call you to singleness. I used to worry, what if God calls me to singleness? Like, I I don't want to sign up for that. And I think just to hold your life open-handed is terrifying. I think, you know, the the question is, do you really believe what God has for you is best for you? Yeah. That's the question. That really is what it comes down to. This, I, I think it's so funny. So you guys might know who are listening that I work in student ministry and we do a question and answer series every year and you get a lot of questions about heaven Hmm. and you kind of get the vibe like, wow, people are like stressed about heaven. Like, did God get heaven right? I better have my pet. I won't enjoy it without my pet. We have to remember that God created desire in the first place and he Hmm. literally wired us. Like no one knows better how to get heaven right, of course. And so God created us and he created us for a paradise and Eden where we're connected to the tree of life and life is full. And there's actually a full version of us out there that's lost. And as we move back to God, we actually rediscover who we truly are, the truest, most real version of ourselves. I would say the best version of ourselves. And we have to understand theologically that's actually where we find the most fulfillment. And I think that if we don't believe that deep down, we're going to subconsciously even always keep that intentional distance. If we believe we're happier with our vices, we're always going to keep that intentional distance with God. That's good. And we have to remember that if we look back at all those things that were holding us back or, or we're fearful, they're all lies. Because that's, yeah. that's everything that I thought or was afraid of 
was totally not true. I mean, I thought the same thing. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to be single. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm okay with that, but I really want a hot wife, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and you're thinking, oh no, no, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm going to... And so it's, it's, they're all lies because, you know, I can look back. I have a long enough way to look back to say... Every one of those things was not true. Yeah, yeah and, and we don't know what God will turn us into, and that's the worry. Yeah. We don't know. You know, I mean, we laugh about Keith Green. We laugh about that, but, but in a reality, like, like, there are things that we struggle with or worry about, you know? And, and it does. It, it creates this fear or worry about the unknown. Or e- even, like, we had dreams of being, you know, uh, an engineer or, you know, driving the right car, making lots of money. Yeah. These visions or desires that we have... And rather than go after them with God from his perspective and what he has for each of us individually, we keep our distance. For sure. Yeah, I think that we have to learn to see like, yes, following God as a sacrifice, but also see God as as a completing source to us and to our desire where there might be some desires that die, but there's deeper desires that are fulfilled. I think that's a huge part of it. And the other thing is like, so once we overcome all this hesitation and, you know, believing lies of the enemy and not trusting that God's going to get heaven or our true selves right or any of that. So what's next there? Like, how do we start to make this move? You know, I don't, I don't know for you guys, like some of it is almost like I could never be that. I think when I first became a Christian, and I can't remember back that far because I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. I think I remember it was easy when God told me, you know, you got to quit fighting. You have to quit doing that. I, I, that was like made sense. You got to pay back this money you owe. It was the things that I was afraid of is who I was going to become. Yeah. You know, so it's the practical things that you can do. God doesn't necessarily, I think he doesn't necessarily go, you got to do this. But there's this thing that happened to me when I I quit smoking. I I was like, I I think I need to quit smoking. And it wasn't really necessarily about, I'm going to project a godly image. I just thought that it was like, well, I got to kind of cuff my cigarettes when the pastor shows up or empty the ashtrays when he comes over to my house. And, and so there was like this level of, I'm like, I really don't want to be seen as a smoker. We'll just use smoking. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with smoking. But at the time, I was holding that higher. And, and But so, for you, you, the Lord was telling you to stop that. You need to stop right? that. And so can I tell another story? Sure. So when we were kids, we were, well, when I was a teenager... We used to get in a lot of trouble. And so I had this one friend, Jeff. I hope he's not listening. But anyway, we would get pulled over by the police, and Jeff would fight with the police. <laughs> and we were going to jail. I mean, we'd, we'd done something wrong. We were all drunk, driving, whatever. You know, the typical stuff. But anyway, and, and so he would start fighting with the police. And they would beat the daylights out of him because that's yeah, what police are allowed to do. They're allowed to hit you if you fight with them. Um, maybe not now, but back in the 70s, they were. So... I would just say, we'd just say, Jeff, get in the car. We're going to jail. You can take the beating and go to jail, or you can just get in the car. And and this is how messed (laughs) up my thinking is. But as I became a Christian, that illustration is like, Chris, you can fight God about this, and he's going to win. You're you're going in in this direction. Yeah. Because you love him, you want to be obedient. But you're going to be disciplined if you don't obey. And so you can either get in the car and go forward, or you can fight with God 
and just it, and take the discipline that, that comes with that. And so we had a saying in our house, just get in the car. When, when God would say, yeah. you, you need to pay off this debt. And I'm like, man, that's just a get lot of money. Just, just get, get in the, the car. car. And that, that's that determining that intentional distance that we keep with God, right? right? I have to make a decision. Either I'm going to go with this because God's calling me and I'm saying that I really want to become a, a better Christian. I really want to grow. And not even a better Christian. That's the wrong words. I want to have a deeper relationship yeah. with God because yeah. that's all I really want is this relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and in John 9, the blind man who asked Jesus, you know, what, what Jesus eventually says to him is, what do you want? And, and I think that's, that's really what we're talking about here. Keeping this intentional distance, I think that Jesus says to us often, but, but Jordy, what, what do you want? He wants us to identify what it is truly that we want, because I don't know if we always know what it means if we get what we want right? So we, we say we want this from God, and we want to be more like this. But God's saying, but do you really understand what that is that you're asking for? You know, I want my sight back. Okay, I'll give you your sight back, but do you understand what you're asking for? Yeah. And, you know, so we keep this intentional distance until, until the Lord says, okay, what is it that you want? And then you tell him, this is what I want. And, and what's, what, what's that struggle or what, what are some of the things that we may wrestle with as Jesus comes to us and says, Jordy, what is it that you want? I think part of it is that belief, like that, you know, for the blind man, you know, someone asks you, what do you want? And you're blind. You know, first of all, like, duh, you know, like, <laughs> but second of all, like, if you don't have a lot of faith, you could say, I want another dollar. You know, I'm a beggar out on the street. I want another dollar. But to think like, no, I want to see. Like, I don't know if a lot, a lot of times I think that moving past this kind of complacency, we don't have the faith that God will do it in us or that we're capable of being changed or transformed, you know, to actually see that change in ourselves. You know, I want to have more joy. I want to care for people more. You know, I want to be a better dad, whatever. Like, is that? No, not me, you know? Yeah. Do you think that we're afraid to ask for the big? Do you, do you think that that's what we're getting to here? Is it was kind of a bolt, okay, you're blind, and you're asking to see. I mean, that's a pretty big request. Like you said, it would be a lot easier to say, hey, could you give me five bucks? Because that would really hook me up for today. Yeah. But he asked for the big... Well, I think like if, I'm, if I want to be a better dad, right? Okay. Like if we were to make this practical, like I want to be a better dad. Well, what is it that you really want, Scott? Do you, do you want to be a more impactful dad or do you want your kids to like you? Because both of those things are being a better dad in someone's mind, right? So well, I want to be a better dad so my kids like me well, I have teenagers. They're probably not going to like me until they're in their 20s now, at least everything that you've told me, Chris. So, so here I am. I'm sitting here saying I want to be a better dad, but that means to have impact in your kids' lives, they may not like you the way you want them to right now. And that's hard, and that's, that's kind of what, what it is for, the, for this blind beggar. You know, what do you want? Because if you want sight, that means you're not going to get the dollar bills anymore. You're not going to get the free handouts anymore. You, so do you, you want your sight more than you want that? Like, I, I think that sometimes the Lord just, he's helping us sift through. Like, if you want your sight, you do know that you're going to have to give up some things. And sight is a lot more than just my daily bread. Yeah. Being a better dad, there's more 
that's, that's just temporary, right. okay? The real question is, help me to be a better man. Yes. Why don't I want to ask that? Well, that could be all-encompassing. Right. You know, I might have to be a better husband then, too. And I'm not sure if I would want to do that yet. And I have to live differently out in the community and right. all these other things. So, I, yeah, I, I think that you may have to reorient your life around what it means to have vision again. Or you're going to live differently in your community because you're no longer just going to go to the corner and beg for money. You're going to live differently even amongst right. the people. And, 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 and even, you know, in Laodicea, I think that's really what Jesus is saying, right? Like, you're going to have to live differently. You can't be lukewarm. It's either hot or cold, one or the other. You can't, you know, stand on the fence anymore. It's, it's about more than yeah, that. Yeah, you're either resisting or you're complying, yeah. Right? right. And there's, there's no middle ground in that. I, I think it's funny. A lot of people watch sports. I've kind of like preaching has like become my sport of choice. Like I get bored on a Saturday and I sit down and I watch a sermon or I listen to something. <laughs> You're such like a nerd. Someone wow. expositing the Bible. And it, it, I love it. it. It's a funny thing, but I, I was watching one where um, Francis Chan, and he's kind of known to be like the like Mr. Ultra Spiritual, like, yeah, I'm going to go live in another you know, third world country and start a church planning movement. Like, yeah. I'm going to throw sell it all and move to an inner city poor area and let my family, you know, live in a dangerous area and in kids San walk Francisco, like yeah. and and so that's kind of what he's known for and I was watching the sermon where he covered um second Peter 1:3 his divine power has granted us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness and the passage goes on to say that so that we can become partakers in the divine nature having escaped from the corruption of this world and all of us have been given what we need for life and godliness. So in all of us, because of our relationship with God, not because of ourselves, there is the potential for a godly life. There's no limits. Like Jesus is knocking on the door of our life. And so, and so Francis Chan, he, he looks at this whole audience and he says, where are you? Like you who don't think that, you know, God's not going to take you anywhere. You could be the most spiritual person in this room. And it, automatically you're thinking like, not if Francis Chan's in the room, right. you know, right. but he's like, he's like, no, any, any one of you, like you are without excuse. And I, th I think sometimes like some of us just need to look at ourselves in the mirror and read that. Some of us need to look at ourselves in the mirror or have someone speak that over us. Like you are given by God what you need for a godly life, what it takes for life and godliness. Well, do we want to participate in the divine activities of God or not? I mean, that's a whole, I mean, now we're going, like, we just jumped in the deep end, right? It's no longer marginalized Christianity, which I think a lot of us have been participating in or have at some point. I, I, okay, <laughs> let, let me just say this. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot the last, like, four or five days. I, I truly believe that Satan wants us to get distracted with all the other things that are going on in our world right now between nationalism Absolutely. and you know, the pandemic and the mask or no mask, what do you believe? You know, the election still hasn't been 100% determined. Like My wife like, wants me to put that shelf together. Like all this stuff, yeah. right? And, and that makes, I mean, is racism going on today or not? Doing like, chores everything. is not satanic, Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what? But, that, but that's like, that's marginalized Christianity. Like we get right. caught up in all these right. other things instead of saying, I really believe personally, that God is giving us the, the, one of the greatest opportunities in probably the last 100 years 
to share the gospel more than ever before. I, I cannot tell you how many people are so, they're just disrupted internally over all this other stuff. And I believe it allows us to say, come to them with the, this amazing hope that we have in Jesus and talk, the cross is less offensive right now right. than racism, than nationalism, that you put everything else, all of that stuff is more offensive in a conversation Absolutely. than the cross ever has been. And I think that we, we live in a time where, so, so I'm going to jump back to the beginning. So I'm so afraid that I'm going to become this whatever. And so I've become, oh, first, first of all, God's a gentleman and he's not going to make you do anything you want to do. Second of all, he made you with a purpose and an intention, and he's, he, he has designed you. He knew from the beginning of time who you are, and I praise God that I'm not like Scott Lessing or Jordan <laughs> Vickers. How do you say your name? But anyway. Vickers. <laughs> wow. Wow. We've been friends all these years. Anyway, but no, I praise God I'm not because I don't, that's not what I want to be. I, I want to really be this person in my own head, and God's allowed me to be that. And because of that, I can reach people in a way that Scott can't as a pastor, or, or Jordy can't, or Jonathan can't, or Joe Blow down the street can't. I, he's made me and designed me, like you were just saying, for a time like today where I can have conversations with people, and they're having conversations with me because of who I am. So we want salvation without the progressive sanctification. Those are big words for we want to be saved but not have to change. Right. Right? And, and if we were in that church in Laodicea, we would be saying, I don't want to change. I want to keep doing everything I've been doing. And I want to keep talking about all these other things instead right. of talking about right. what does God want for me in 2021? Right. What is it that you want for me, Lord? And what is it that you want for the church? Either your local church or the big C church, all of it together, like this is what we need to believe. We need to believe that God is going to make us the best version of ourselves right, right now, for, not, not next week or next year. For today. For today. Yeah, we need to believe that he will do it, he can do it, and we need to start pursuing it. Okay, so you, you deal with younger people. How do you tell them in the world? Of, they, I mean, they got TikTok, tactic. <laughs> <laughs> The Tic Google, Tacs. they got the Google <laughs> on the worldwide. Chris knows inter- how to say all these things <laughs> properly. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, how do you how do you tell them to be their own self? I mean, that's the battle that you're fighting with the generation we live in now. If we think the election is a problem, we that's that's nothing compared to how yeah, how right. we have to reach the younger generation. Yeah, I think there's a part of it not to go into a deeper theological debate, but we have to accept the things that Jesus has accepted. Okay, you know, you've got this picture of Jesus knocking on the door of your life, like, "Will you surrender to me?" And I think for yeah. me, like, to say as a pastor. I can't beat this into people, you know? It's kind of like having older teenagers, I think. It's similar. It's like, I can't beat this into my kid anymore, but I can set the table. And so for me, it's, can I paint God accurately? You know, what it looks like to follow him. That's good. It's not just this, you know, get your salvation parachute, raise your hand so I can write this on a piece of paper and look good to my boss, you know? It's like, can I paint an accurate picture of God and what he wants from you? 
and what it what it's going to look like to follow him and then can i speak passages like second peter 1:3 over your life that you can do this like god's willing to do this in you he's done it in way worse even paul who wrote most of the new testament is like you you can't start that low you know unless you're going to go kill some christians and so yeah so how do we make this move right how do we start to make this move to participate in the divine activities of god that second peter 1:3 verse 3 and 4 I mean, I know what Mr. Goals is going to say. <laughs> I, I love goals. I do love goals. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, I mean, first, we have to surrender to that. Like, throw all this stuff away, surrender to God, and say, all right, I need to repent from all that. I, I, I do want to participate in your divine activities more than I want what I think is best for me. So that's number one, right? But then after that, what, what are some practical things that we can do as we head into 2021? I think for me, I, I, I think that God's saying, you, you need to become the man that I've created, and you need to not worry about what other people are doing or saying or what's worked for you for the last 40 years of being a Christian versus, okay, what does it look like today? And so some of the things that I'm doing is, personally, I'm going back to basics. I'm saying, okay, you know, I mean, it's really clear. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then you need to be a servant. And guess what? You need to be the servant of all. Not just men, not just, you know, on the elder board or not just this, but you need to learn how to be a servant. And a servant doesn't question his master. Yet, I I was reading this other, this networking book, and it, it was saying, givers gain. One of my spiritual gifts, I have uh, serving, discernment, and hospitality. And so when I serve, I'm fulfilled. So for me, it's like, be a servant. What does that mean? Well, I went and volunteered at this. It was an after-school daycare with third graders this week. It was it was really stressful, especially because <laughs> I was helping this little girl do her homework, her math homework, and I didn't understand it. It was like really difficult. <laughs> but, so, but participating—that's participating in the divine activities of God, right. right? And I loved her. I thought, man, I I just reach the world for these like. 12 third graders. That's awesome. So that's, cool. so that's, what, that's my goal. So, so there's, there's three things. Like once you get to that point, and, and in the book of James, it talks about this, that you don't have those things of God because you don't ask for those right, things. Right, you don't ask for them. Right, and so that in James chapter four is talking about asking for, for what God wants. Yeah. Not, not from a selfish perspective, but it's a heart check. Like, Lord, I'm asking, begging you to change my perspective. I want to participate in your activities. So Lord, will you change me, move me, turn me? Help me to be willing to even be willing to do what you want me to do. Right. I pray those prayers. Yeah. So I want to say this to the guys that are listening. If you have a problem, if you're someplace and you're like, I just don't know, all you need to do is ask. You say, God, I don't know how to love. This is what they're telling me. I don't know how to love, or I don't know how to be not angry. I just don't know. Can you show me, please? And then be obedient. It's good. And, and once you ask for it and you hear the Lord speaking to you, write it down. Write it down. Clarify it. Right. And then Steve Harvey says this, successful people write down what they want, but that really comes from Habakkuk 2. He got it from God, but this is what it says. The Lord answered me, write down the vision Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It 
doesn't stop to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And that's, that is so hard for us in today's world. It seems slow, but wait for it. Like that is so hard for me. God has really been teaching me to wait. But in this clarification process, like we do have to go back and revisit it and wait for it and pray for it. And what I have found is in that process of clarifying it, so you ask for it, then you clarify it. That's where the change in my soul happens is not the asking for it. That's a big part of the change because I turn. But what I found is when I take, start to take those steps towards what God's calling me to, it's in that clarification process. It's when they cross the Jordan. They put their yeah. toe in the water. And then the third point is this. Don't be afraid of it. Don't you, be afraid. you mentioned Joshua, not being afraid to cross the Jordan. For what purposes? For what God had called him to. Right. God had already right. spoken it to him. And I mean, Joshua asked for it. He didn't believe in it. And then, and then God spoke to him, clarified it. He wrote it down. I mean, all these things, I don't know if he wrote it down, but I'm sure that he, he, he wrote it down on a, him, on a right? stone. I don't know. Give me a chisel. I got I it. <laughs> <laughs> but not to be afraid of it, to move your feet, to step into that river and follow the Ark of the Covenant. But Jordy, will you just tell us a little bit about, in order to do all of this, the, the full gospel right, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, hmm. how, doing all of this has to be Spirit-led. I have to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. In order to live differently, in order to be the, the man that God's called me to be tomorrow, I have to start today. How do you live by the Spirit in stuff like this? I have a phrase I say all the time that Life is much more spiritual than people think, and Christianity is much more practical than people think. Because of God, everything has meaning, right? And so, you know, this isn't just like get saved, put your salvation away, and stay lukewarm, but we're going we're gonna to explore and redefine everything and just really be receptive to that journey. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it's the spirit in us who moves us to take these. I can't do it on my own. Yeah. Because it's way more comfortable for me to keep living this other way. But to surrender to surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow him to not only open those doors for us, but to clarify it and to give us the strength to not be afraid of it. That desperate, I, I call it the desperate dependence on the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit will give me the courage to take those steps into the river and to get me on the other side of the river, and then to the first battle, the second battle, all those things, and to, but to live differently. Joshua totally lived differently because of, of asking for it, clarifying it, and not being afraid of it. Yeah. Well, a, another month. To, if I want to participate in the divine activities of God, if I really want that, what would being an improved version of myself look like? Ask for it, clarify it, and don't be afraid of it. Step into the Jordan, begin to move, after that, which God has promised you. All right, guys, Just have a great week. Just put your week. toe in, man. Have a great Do month. It. Have a great couple weeks. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next month. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.